episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and I am your co-host, Mike One, wearing my paper cone shape happy birthday <laughs> hat with the elastic band that always snapped when it had to go all the way around my fat, fat head and face. <laughs> <laughs> we are here uh, recording on the day of birth of one also Mike. Yeah, it's my birthday. I'm 36. Look, this is a weird-ass birthday for a plethora of reasons, but in, in all sincerity, my friend, I'm glad to be spending some of my day doing one of my favorite things here, recording an episode of MMO. So th- this is like a reprieve for me and thinking about all of the questions of my future and the, 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 <laughs> the failures of my past. And, but at the same time, like you program this episode, and this one is particularly therapeutic, I hope. I hope we're just not in, you know, crocodile tears by the end of it. But we have a top five episode today as mortality rears its ugly head <laughs> upon me. And the, the angel of death stares at me from across the room right now. So, Mike, mm-hmm. what is this episode all about? We are talking about our top five film world letdowns. And this was actually in its inception. Mm-hmm. We were prepping this to be on the tail end of the Fonzo review, the Capone review that we just did. But that movie wasn't so much of a letdown as we expected it to be. It was maybe watchable for reasons other than its cinematic glory, per se, (laughs) but it was still not so much of a letdown as we kind of feared and and were worried that it might be. So we said, let's have some fun with it. We'll turn it into its own top five episodes. So we're doing the top five biggest letdowns both Mike and myself have felt uh, in the film world throughout our lives. And they're not going to be just necessarily movies that disappointed us. There's going to be some awards talk in here. There's going to be uh, some death. It's not all death and despair and dishonest. Most, Like Mike said, it's mostly going to be just cathartic. And hopefully we share some laughs and have some fun uh, with it along the way here. But let's get into it, Michael. What was your number five, your fifth biggest film world letdown? Yeah, I didn't know we could choose death, like actual (laughs) death. I didn't go that broad with my thinking. So I did all movie watching relating uh, entries for this episode. So, you know, you're going to be Debbie Downer at one point. I'll make fun of you for doing good. Good. And then I'll look come off as an ass because I made fun of you after what you're going to say. Mike, as I'm crying over the death of someone I love. My number five is Oscar related. And I kind of want to preface it by saying, look, we've been reading Scott Feinberg for years. He is predicting most of the winners for years and a lot of the punditry has done that we've always followed the oscars so i think you and i can say that we have braced for the impact of most of the quote-unquote unhappy disappointments at the academy awards but i do want to recap a few before i make my pick because Look, I wasn't old enough for, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction losing out to Forrest Gump because right. at the age of, you know, at the age of what it was at, 11, mm-hmm. I wasn't old enough to watch Pulp Fiction. I wasn't old enough for uh, Do the Right Thing, losing to Dead Poets Society. I was six, so I hadn't right. seen either of those movies. Same deal. Shakespeare in Love was kind of the first moment where I recognized, like, Oscar disappointment because I had seen Saving Private Ryan in school that year, loved it. I was all about Saving Private Ryan. I think my dad took me to the movies, and then they showed it in school. It was like everybody got a copy of the tape, all the schools or something. It was like a big deal, and everybody watched it on Veterans Day. You went Day. to the coolest school system. We've talked about this many times before. Yeah. How your, your school was just showing you these cinematic greats all throughout your upbringing. 
some are born and some are made <laughs> and i was made as a film critic but and i think i'm getting things confused i think we watched it much later later when it was on vhs we've just mm-hmm. been learning about windows so anyway shakespeare in love wins and i'm like all right i guess i gotta see shakespeare in love i hope there are boobies in it because i was 12 <laughs> or whatever i was 12 25 30 whatever there were boobies in it. It was a good movie. That's all I needed at that age. Anyway, uh, that's why this won the Oscar. <laughs> fast forward to college and Crash wins uh, over the over Brokeback Mountain, which I had seen and liked more. But at the same time, I picked Crash to win. I picked that crazy upset in my college dorm room Oscar pool. So I nice. was proud of myself and I wasn't disappointed. The, the other big one was when the King's Speech lost to the social network. But Ugh. here's the thing. You know my mother by now. You know how much she loves all the Anglophile stuff. I think during one of my trips home at that college year, I had gone home. No, this is after college. Anyway, I had gone to the King's Speech with my mom, and we both liked it. Yeah, so and it you like have a, that affinity. It's rubbed off on you. You respect those yes. kind of period pieces. I'm a bit of an Anglophile. I'm a bit of a history uh, file there, a history buff. And I liked the King's Speech, so I, w- I didn't hate that it won. I-, I preferred the social network, but, you know, go have you. Now, to get into our podcasting lives, the Shape of Water winning was something that we predicted. It was in both of our top twos. I re-listened to our episode when we were predicting those Oscars in 2017-18. And we were both like, it's going to be the Shape of Water or Get Out or Three Billboards. Right. Those were our picks, right? I wanted a bunch of other movies to win, but like it was still kind of cool to see one of my formative year favorites in Guillermo del Toro get the win. I was kind of happy for him. Sure. You know, you and I raged that night because we thought it was an inferior movie and we were trying to ham it up for our podcast. But I think even in, in hindsight, we're like, it's kind of cool that that genre wins too. Can respect so it. Yeah, absolutely. I can respect it. Plus, it's a it's an audacious pick because it's fish sex for <laughs> it a sure lot is. of it. <laughs> Look, Green Book was the film and Green Book was the win where I was just like disgusted. And it's not because I hated Green Book as a movie as much as I hated Green Book as a Pest Picture win. We had thought that year that Roma, Black Panther, The Favorite, Star is Born, Black Klansman, they were superior films yeah. on a higher tier. And I'm not going to relitigate all of it, but my pick was Roma. So this is like a double whammy where I thought I had my pick right this year. I was a year early with the international film. But we had characterized Green Book as the driving Miss Daisy candidate of this particular year. So although... We conducted ourselves at that Oscar party like Green Book was going to win. We, I mean, we ate pizza like Tony Lip eats pizza, Michael. Like, I didn't fold a pizza and eat it like a quesadilla, but we might as well. I yes. might as well for the amount of pizza we ate. I mean, we had to take down at least a pie of pizza. And I that think was... that's what led to our disappointment, too, and our anger. That crashing of the carb and sugar crash that we experienced at the it end of the night. To. It absolutely had to. So, I think this lament is 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 twofold number one green book should not have been best picture it was not the best picture of 2018-19 there that's number one number two we are now 0 for 3 in predicting best picture (laughs) you know what happens though and this is exact like we just we let our hearts take over when we're talking we're we're pretty rational and logical when it comes to predicting everything else and you i mean i think you went 20 for 24 this year yourself so like we 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 make sense of it but when it comes to best picture we just want what we want so badly Mm -hmm. that we can't like i had to pick once upon a time in hollywood even though i knew it wasn't gonna win but officially that was my prediction because it had to be and of course course it lost but 
Yeah, we become fans again. Right. We become fans again, and we just can't help our fan pick. And and, and it's ruined our, our, our chances at predicting this three years straight. So I vow, I vow to get this right before uh, at some point in the future because, like I said, I predicted Crash. I thought I was good at this, predicting Best Picture <laughs> in particular, during my formative years. I'm shocked that we're over 3 at this point. But, all right, I'll take the wins where I can get it elsewhere. I think uh, you have an Oscar-related number 5 here too, right? Yeah, and I was thinking about doing the social network being upset, but I figured mm-hmm. uh, we could just underscore for my number 5 just how dark of a night that Green <laughs> book night was because earlier in that night uh yes having the same sugar high and the same tony lip style eating and just the the, the gross intake of food glenn close being upset oh. by olivia coleman of the favorite it, it honestly felt like someone had just stolen something from my actual grandmother that she worked <laughs> her entire life for like i was that level of like maternally offended so I had picked Olivia Coleman. I had not picked Olivia Coleman, but I, I thought Olivia Coleman was the better performance, and I was saying that all year. Yes. So I wasn't as upset here, but you actually, you personified Glenn Close, the actress, as your actual grandmother. <laughs> yes. Yes. And after a night of just gluttony, where and next year, dude, next year we should eat nothing but vitamin D gummies <laughs> and do bicep curls that this whole night. This is the fourth time we are saying this <laughs> in like May and June, and then the night will come and it'll be nothing but pastries and artificial carbs. We but- have to be better. We have to be better. Uh, at least... We have to be somewhat healthier. Can we just pizza and not the, all the donuts? Like we'll my get, brother and I, we'll get spinach on the pizza, and that'll be the the break okay. even point. I, I felt like my grandmother got all dolled up, had worked so hard, was wearing this long, glorious golden dress Gold. for this celebration. You know what it was like? It was exactly like. The Adam Sandler movie, Eight Crazy Nights, and I think this might be more of an insult to Glenn Close than it is a compliment, but it's the feeling I get. When Whitey from Eight Crazy Nights thinks he's going to get like the greatest townsperson of the year award at the beginning of that movie, and then not only does he not get it, but people laugh at the notion that he was ever going to get it. Like The disappointment I had in my heart was the exact same feeling when Glenn Close was denied her Best Actress win. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think we're... (laughs) No. (laughs) I can't believe Eight Crazy Nights, which is a mean-spirited but funny movie that we laughed at much more so in our youth than we could now. I I watched that recently. It was like, oh, my God. I can't believe they got away with this shit back then. But... Oh my! Well, poor Whitey, poor Glenn Close. Yes, uh, that golden dress was burned <laughs> that night in a ceremony at the uh, Mid Samar, uh, you know, <laughs> triangular building. I hope for her case, and she can somehow make it all the sweeter when she hillbillies up for that elegy this year and somehow gets that that win finally. She's got two major chances on the horizon. If it's not going to be Hillbilly Elegy, it has to be Sunset Boulevard, the remake of Sunset Boulevard, Mm -hmm. and that's it. And then we should just stop the Oscars once we finally give her her coronation because I'm tired of getting my hopes up for Glenn Glenn Close. What more does she need to do? The wife was so good. Go back and rewatch it, Academy Queens. You're nuts. Like that, That performance probably wins in most other years, let's be honest. But, and not uh, to take anything away from Olivia Coleman, I know we battered this point to death already, but yeah. she was fantastic. She absolutely is a worthy winner, but god damn it, 
The one well, time legacy doesn't come into play. Our pals, the Academy Queens, and their great podcast. We we did we dedicated like almost a whole episode to rehashing <laughs> all of this. So it goes back and listen to our best actress pod going into last year. But that was a lot of fun. It was really yeah, funny. Was. And you guys still feud about it. You still feud about it. And I, let's be honest, I'm stoking the fire a little bit. Like if on a follow Friday, I'll throw an Olivia <laughs> Coleman gif or I'll throw a Glenn Close gif out there just to stoke it and I'm see if you happy. guys will start yelling at each other again. I'm getting legitimate feelings of anger rising in me through even though we wrote out this <laughs> script and we've talked about these points already let's what, what's your number four god damn it my number four is m night Shyamalan's the village okay now, michael i was becoming a wannabe filmmaker i was watching all of m night's dvd featurettes like on loop for the sixth sense for unbreakable and even for signs and signs is a movie i liked more than a lot of people but i i was a huge fan of m night at that point he was three for three in my mind i was so psyched up to see this movie and i was dealing with a busy summer i was working two jobs i had an office job and i had a job at, at a restaurant and i did not have a lot of nights free and i think i wound up like taking time off on a wednesday or something i didn't see it on opening night but my friend or my brother i don't remember who came with me we saw it like on a weeknight i had avoided all contact with the internet with anything i didn't want any spoilers i didn't want to hear any reviews i just wanted to go into this movie because to me like the marketing campaign was perfect it was going to deliver all the m night Shyamalan goods (laughs) he was going to give me a uh, twist at the end like he did in the last three films and it was going to work it was going to go great again and i was just going to be dazzled so the end of act two happens and something so unforgivable that i thought was cheating happens i'm not going to spoil it here but i was so disappointed at the end of act two i was so upset with m night for leading me along it was like akin to learning that santa claus or jesus or good people as adults in the adult world exist it's learning that they don't exist learning that all those you know bigfoot last week when i finally learned that bigfoot didn't exist yeah you're still having these revelations in real time (laughs) i was that disappointed and if i ever learned that derek jeter took steroids it would be on the same level so it was one of those twists that uh, was just something that was devastating. That, that He built up my expectations to think something was true. And then I was, in my brain, I was thinking, all right, this is going to be spectacular when this becomes true. Or he can give me a twist that makes me even happier, which he's done before. Yeah. But instead, this twist was the, what our title said. It was a film world letdown. And I couldn't even appreciate, which I do now, but I couldn't even appreciate the act three twist upon a twist, which I now really enjoy, uh, you know, with sober eyes. I was going to say, I think that one's gotten a little better as time has gone on, but at the time it was, everybody hated it as well. I would consider The Village probably one of his better movies, or at least in his top five, I would say, or top six, because I liked I liked Split, I liked uh, The Visit, obviously I liked the first three. I mean, he went on a... He went on a tear of bad movies with uh, The Happening, After Earth, The Last Airbender. Lady eventually. in the Water. Lady in the Water, thank God. But that was such a fun movie experience. I, we put on another top yes. five episodes because my brother was such an ass, <laughs> but he was so funny. But like Glass is another one, obviously. I don't know if I mentioned that. But like he has been hit or miss, and he's such a gamble now 
when you when you turn on one of his films yeah. or even like Servant on Apple TV. I know you watched the yeah. first episode and didn't like it, but I I like I can't bring myself to to click it because I'm worried that he's going to burn me again. Especially this combination of factors. You're like this hardworking young man. You're work. You're like looking forward to this. This is before there was a lot of outlets. You didn't like yep. have iPhones and stuff to like kill yourself and kill time for you. So you're <laughs> you're trying to stay away from YouTube. You're just trying to get this one glorious reprieve in your summer night. You were your favorite director's coming out with something it's hyped up in your mind and then kaputski <laughs> it, it, it tore me asunder i was so upset with him like i didn't watch any of his movies for a while after that i was like holding a, a mike one style grudge for the <laughs> longest time to the point where i don't think i even saw his next few films like i watched him on dvd which kind of saved you right I mean, like, I didn't at least see you didn't the get worked up. Yeah, at least you didn't get yeah. worked up for the happening. You know what I mean? At least you weren't like building up for the sh- lady in the water type thing. Well, that's tr- no, that's true. I did see Lady in the Water, but so he burned me twice. <laughs> Fool me twice. Shame on me. After that, I didn't even. I've never seen the happening. I think I rented After Earth for sick reasons. I've never seen the Last Airbender, and uh, so yeah, I, I've I've missed a lot of his. His terrible films, thankfully. I, I feel like that's something that you share with a lot of people, the disappointment in M. Night Shyamalan's career resume. And my number four is going to stay in the horror genre as well. Mm. It's probably, if I were to rank these honestly, it'd probably be higher than number four. But at the same time, one, you started the horror ball rolling downhill here. And this kind of <laughs> makes sense for the purposes of scheduling this episode. And two... It's really hard for me to get too worked up over anything in Halloween's past anymore with the rectified state, the condition of the franchises in today in the hands of Blumhouse and John Carpenter and David Gordon Green. But still, fuck Jay Leno. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Halloween Resurrection. Halloween Resurrection. I was so stoked for it. And I was I was a young Mike one. I was in my teenage years. I really mm-hmm. liked H2O when it came out, even though I probably shouldn't have seen it. I was probably too young for it. This is going to be the next chapter. I was really excited for it. And I was excited enough. It's almost the exact opposite of what you did with Shyamalan. I mm-hmm. bought into the hype and I sought out the hype. And Jamie Lee Curtis was on Jay Leno who I always fucking hated anyway, and I was only watching because I knew Jamie Lee Curtis was on to promote Halloween. I was always a Letterman guy. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I sucked it up, and I watched Leno, and I Jamie Lee Curtis talk about being back with Halloween, being back with Mike Myers, showing a clip, and, and you think you're going to get this this big showdown once again between yep. Jamie and Michael, uh, Laurie and Michael, and he like, and, and I was, I was ready for it. I was ready. And then I get into the theater and what do I get? First scene. Oh, she's dead. <laughs> they kill her off with no, in a impossibly stupid way. First of all, yes. she shouldn't have gotten killed that character. If she was doing what she was doing. And then we get this reality television bullshit fucking premise where Buster Rhymes is a martial art expert who doesn't die? Are you kidding me? Of all the people Michael Myers has killed, Buster Rhymes isn't one of them? I was so disgusted and angry and heartbroken, and I just hated, hated all of it. Well, I let to speak on behalf of Buster Rhymes, I was somewhat happy that he survived, and I thought it was fitting for that movie. But I always yes. like Buster Rhymes. But uh, no, I get what you're saying. 
I can't believe that was like, because I've done this too, and I, I think a million people have done it with these franchise films that came out before our time. I mean, we are in the VHS DVD generation where right. we grew up, you know, watching the back catalog, and it must have happened a million times for people with the Star Wars movies where so many of them watched it on VHS a hundred thousand times and then went to see episode one and it's like the worst movie yet. Right. Right. And that that's what you did. I mean it's it's a good thing. Like did Halloween six and Halloween five, they came out before Resurrection, right? Yeah, Resurrection worse. Resurrection came out right after like three years or four years after H two O. Okay. And H two O followed five and six. Oh, that's a rough beat for you because H two O was right. It gave me hope. That that's like I was there. I was reinvested. We already had one Laurie Michael showdown. I thought this might be the capper. We're gonna get right back into it. We're gonna get a whole movie of suspense with this cat and mouse game. And just first ten minutes, she's dead. Everything, nothing matters. She's got some weird cousin somewhere that's going to school and going to do this reality TV. I hated everything about it, and it let me down so much. And I want to give a shout-out, too, since we're talking about horror disappointments, just some mm-hmm. honorable mentions that didn't make the list. So that Resurrection was Halloween 8, so I was looking forward to them rectifying and riding the ship, and I was looking up information for Halloween 9 in my teenage mm-hmm. years. Please, somebody retcon this or fix this. Do something to save the Michael Myers franchise. That, as well as any news and information and leaks and rumors, and I saw this guy post this one thing one time on the IMDb message boards about Scream 4, before Scream 4 was actually in its contractual negotiations <laughs> with Rescue. I must have scoured IMDb. I went through them like an FBI agent going through a Dallas book depository man i was living on the imdb messaging boards looking for information and it was just disappointment after disappointment and false rumor after false rumor about the state of both scream 4 and halloween 9 so i uh i wanted to just uh combine that whole horror genre there because you're going to do the same for your number three as far as combining an entire genre of film goes mike yeah, we're doing a good job of transitioning right now because I have something similar. I'm talking about franchise films, essentially, blockbuster films that have let me down so hard. But unlike <laughs> The Village, let's say, I mean, The Village was really, really good until it wasn't. Like, that's pr- part of the uh, part of the reason I was so upset at The Village. Like, the first hour is, is pretty awesome. It's crazy. You're, you're invested. Right. These other films were almost bad immediately. Yeah. And then you have to suffer through the rest of it. Let's let's be honest with you guys. If you know us, you know that we hate The Rise of Skywalker. So You know bad. that I hate the uh, Attack of the Clones. So episodes two and nine were just awful. I think episode one, I was kind of happy to see a Star Wars movie. It was different. Some of it was fun. And I was okay with the bad stuff, all the Senate stuff, the nonsense. But episode two, just awful. And then I, I really think they jumped the shark and then jumped a hundred more sharks in episode nine. <laughs> Indiana Jones in the refrigerator of the crystal alien. Yes. So terrible. Like when he survives the nuclear blast because he basically takes himself and he, he scrunches into a mini fridge. I just think that's the worst scene in the history of cinema. I hated that movie so much. It made me so angry. And I love the first three. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the underscoring of this. You're a huge Indiana Jones franchise guy. So you were very excited about that coming back. And then why did it have to be snakes to get me out of this uh, quicksand trap? Yeah, you also know what a big Lord of the Rings fan I am. Yes. And when The Hobbit, an unexpected catastrophe came out... (laughs) 
It was so boring. The makeup was so dumb. I hated all the characters. I just, oh, what a terrible film. And the other, the, the other two were a little better, but not by much. And I kind of, you know, hate watch those two. But that, that was a major disappointment. Jurassic Park 3 was another one. And if I came up with a subtitle for that movie, it would be this long-ass thing. We couldn't think of a clever plot, so here's a super dinosaur. <laughs> Why? Rawr. What is wrong with that? Yeah, there's Don't. there's few things more taxing in movie fandom than having to finish a movie because you feel like you owe it to the franchise, which is a ridiculous notion in and of itself because it's not like these studios actually give a shit about you. But like I've been with Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park so yeah. long, uh, me with Halloween in my last entry, I have to finish this. No, it's bullshit. It's a money grab, is what it is. <laughs> it's a total money grab, and I didn't realize that could happen with the first film of a franchise, <laughs> and that's why I'm choosing Transformers, the first Michael Bay Transformers. As nice. my pick here for number three because i was a college senior all right i have four younger brothers and i think for for each one of those younger brothers i had pushed really hard for them to like transformers oh it was big for me as a kid yeah you still had all the toys out you know the cartoons were were in our dvd catalog there The, the kids could easily just put that dvd on if i'm stuck at home you know all throughout those childhood years and i have to watch some kid shit at least maybe i can kind of push them in the direction of watching something that will give me nostalgia right so my brother cliff and and my brother i think my brother daniel they got into it a little bit so that was cool for me and it kind of brought it all back because i was a huge fan when i was really young of transformers so we had as a group of brothers that year decided to all go to the midnight showing together it was one of the only times all five of us went to the movies together to see transformers i think maybe it was four of us there's too many of them to count at this point so it was either four or five of us but it was a whole brother outing mike I had been suspicious of Michael Bay at that point. I was taking French New Wave summer classes that summer <laughs> at, at Lincoln Center. Talk at about Lincoln, diametric opposite. Fordham Lincoln Center. I was taking Hitchcock classes. I was taking French New Wave classes. And I was at my most pretentious. And yet, somehow, stupidly, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a trip down memory lane. All the trailers look awesome. Maybe Michael Bay will get back his form from Armageddon and the rock and make something cool again i think he can do it i hope he could do it i wanted to believe we get in that mike we get in that movie theater and one of my younger brothers this is the loudest movie ever but one of my younger brothers i think it was david was sleeping he was sleeping like 20 minutes in and oh, he no. Could, I, I mean, I'm just looking around. I'm like, I can't believe this movie is this bad. And on re- in retrospect, I've seen it since. It's probably the best of those Transformers Yeah, that's movies. what I was going to jump in with. I think it was the most polished out of the entire franchise. It's not like the most terrible film ever, but for some ridiculous reason, my expectations were just unmeetably high so i'm here blaming shia labeouf for two hours but i just remember this was a packed house at this uh, stratford regal cinema that is no longer in business but packed house their biggest theater in the joint 
I remember my brothers and I were just shit-talking this movie for most of its going, and then people were shushing us. Like, this is the <laughs> loudest movie ever. People were shushing us, like, upset that we were talking during the movie. I was just so mad at it. We were hating Michael Bay. And uh, then I, I gladly went back to all the Hitchcock classes and French New Wave classes after that. And You're like, I don't need to hear English on screen ever again after this. I was so angry. and I Yeah, I, I became an extra snob after that. Maybe that's the reason we're doing an Oscar podcast these days. <laughs> Seam- seamlessly transitioned into what you, the also Mike, you've become today. That's I get that though. I mean, like you have your heart and soul. You're playing the role of the big brother. You want to share a part of your life with these young kids that are your brothers and bring them along and have common interests. And then Michael Bay comes along and just explodes everything for you. I could see that I being a letdown. Never forgave him since. I don't know how he got me to watch Six Underground, but they do. I, I guess I am a complete and total fool because I keep going back to someone who made a good movie once and like I'll watch Francis Ford Coppola's Zorn or whatever the fuck he titles his movies that's not a title (laughs) he's got the weirdest titles for all it's corn with a z you see (laughs) I don't know what some of these film directors are doing later in life maybe Tarantino should quit after 10 maybe he's right on Well, I, I maybe I can draw your ire away from uh, uh, one Michael and towards another one. I didn't write this down because I didn't want to get you upset. But uh, <laughs> look, my number three, it also has to deal with another genre of movies. And it's the letdowns that beloved children's movies have been to me in my life. Oh, no. We had a one of our biggest blowouts behind the scenes, you and I, was over Frozen 2. <laughs> Frozen 2, I hated <laughs> I, I, I absolutely hated that movie. I tried to pull his punches as much as I could in the review and just saying, I understand it works for some people. But you I did could, that for me. You did I, that for you, me, and I, I appreciate did. it. In I could not stand that movie. But one more, and I'm going to get a lot of criticism. I know it's going to piss you off. I waited until my freshman year in college. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I know, know about the Goonies. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't aware of it. It just wasn't something I was raised on, and I didn't see it until my freshman year of college. And it was on TV in my dorm room, and I was mm-hmm. like, "I've heard so much hype lately. Everybody in college fucking loves this movie. I'm gonna sit down and watch it." And I watched The Goonies, and I could not get through it. The Goonies was so disappointingly awful to me i try uh, listen I'm, I'm like begging for mercy more so than i'm bragging about liking something loving a sacred cow or something i tried to like it you understand i really did i wanted to appreciate it with childlike eyes and wonder i mean pixar movies still work at me up is one of the greatest movies i think ever made but i could the goonies is just not good <laughs> i'm sorry listen, listen all right I, I I can't do anything but refute you here because I watched this movie again last year and I loved every second of it. So I don't know if the, the movie casts a spell on you when you were little. I don't know if like this is a thing that exists. Like you can be just enchanted when you're young and that movie will never be bad even if it, be, if it becomes bad if it doesn't age well i think i, wonder I if think this is that thing. might be what it is though not to cut you off but i think like people bring their childhood with them in the same way that if i were to bring like aladdin 3 i thought was great because i had it on vhs and watched it when i was nine i'm sure if i gave someone aladdin 3 the first time in 2020 they probably would find some big holes in it well i'm putting you on the spot but have you ever watched a movie that you loved in childhood and you rewatched it now and then you hated it now? No. Does that happen to you yet? N- not not that I nothing that comes to mind or jumps to mind. Maybe if I thought about it, but yeah, pr- probably not. 
Because, like, the Mighty Ducks and Hook, I almost, like, I've told this Hook's story on the show one. before. Like, those are very kid-friendly movies. And if you try to watch the Mighty Ducks now, like, I told, I've told this story. I watched it with my younger brother, and he made fun of me for liking it as a kid. And basically, he made fun of my whole childhood. <laughs> right. I and remember. I was just ridiculed into having to think back and say, man, maybe I was a total goober as a kid. I don't know. Maybe I... <laughs> Maybe my my younger brother, who I've trained and I've made him into the, you know, the, the student has now become the uh, master. I've created a monster or something, and I, I haven't gone back to the Mighty Ducks since. And that was like ten years, I don't know, eight ten years ago. And I, I maybe that's maybe that's what you need. You need uh, you need your kid or something to uh, to hate on a movie you loved as a child to basically make you uh, genuflect and figure out why it's a bad movie. So maybe I need that. Maybe I have to show the Goonies to my kid, my future kid someday and have him hate it for me to hate it because I, I, I haven't hated it yet. I'm willing to bet I'm the one that's wrong here, not you when it comes to the Goonies. Because I'm... Well, I am confident in saying that I still love the Goonies here. That's why I, there's nothing else for me to say. Like I wanted to go with you, but I, I, I tried yeah, to no, help you there's, out there. I, I, there's way too many. It's, it's basically the parasite argument all over again. I'm just shouting into the void because everyone knows I'm crazy, which I'm willing to wear like a badge of honor because my ego is out of control enough to think that I'm right. And regardless, so Do you remember where in the plot you stopped watching that movie though. I mean, it's another, <sighs> it's another slew thing I need to do right here. Oh God. It was, did you get to the gangster stuff? Point. Did you get yeah, to the gangster Yeah, I got stuff? to the family. Mm-hmm. I got to the family, and they were, like, in a cave. Don't make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. So you got past some of my favorite scenes, unfortunately. So, yeah, maybe maybe we're the same but different. But I mean, you brought up Hook. always will be. Hook is the same thing. But Hook was one I never even liked when I was a kid. And I know that one's beloved, too. And I all throughout my life, I had to hear school kids I went to school with, like, in 7th, 8th, ninth grade, Rufio. I'm like, it's Dude. not fucking good <laughs> hook is so, not good and yeah. i realize that now but when i was a kid i was like yeah and i thought it was, it was great that's as that's as high as my voice goes that was really good i appreciate it set the right tenor for the for the episode all right seamless transition now after a strange 15 minute break <laughs> but uh we're gonna get into our number twos now mike and i have a story for my number two okay all right, my family, we loved our movie nights. We took a lot of them. And I was very fortunate as a kid. Like, my, my grandparents would take me to movies. My other grandparent would take me to movies. My aunts and uncles would take me to movies. I mean, we were a movie-going family. I would go with friends on play dates to the movies. And, of course, you know, a couple times a year, I think, uh, the entire family, and, and I mean that uh, my four brothers and my, my, my parents, would go to a film together. It was usually a Disney movie or a blockbuster that was, you know, like PG or something like that. Well, one night when I was 12 years old, I had gotten the bug in my ear to see The Nutty Professor because the kid across the street from me, who was my best friend, says it was the funniest movie ever. And <laughs> What a sell job. I thought he was cool, and I should not have trusted him in this sense because of where how it played on my family but my luckily it was the perfect storm for him and his uh, evil deeds here because my family or my parents had grown up loving the Jerry Lewis uh, movie oh, and loving no. Jerry Lewis in general so they had no idea that Eddie Murphy was going to make sex jokes for for 2 hours <laughs> and when he wasn't making sex jokes he'd, he'd make fart jokes however 
Like, I was just totally in for this. I'm 12 years old. I think this is going to be great. But, again, I'm the oldest of five boys. I think there was only four of us at that point. Yeah, because oh, I, so I was 14. So your family was there? The younger brothers were almost going to go to another movie with my mother, right? And my dad was going to take the two older of us, me and John, to see Nutty Professor because I was so excited to see it. So this is 1996, and because there are no other good options and because my third brother, Cliff, he basically didn't want to feel uncool and have to go with my mother to a sissy movie, a little kid movie, <laughs> and we went to see the cool movie. So basically he drove the fact that the whole family was going to go see the same movie together. Now, <laughs> parents were talked into it, and it was it was falling on my head. So we get through about half hour of the movie, and my mother is fuming. I could just see her face red and i think the worst part of it is that you know we were laughing i was laughing at jokes i didn't understand i will freely admit that now i understood none of it i rewatched the movie now and it's hilarious to to remember myself laughing at all these high-minded sex jokes Uh but what kept me going was like the dinner table scene of everybody farting and i was in tears we were all were in tears it was the funniest scene i ever watched and, and that movie would go on to be a funny movie. Like in my older you know, years, I would watch it again and again. But my mother, at one point in the middle of the film, and she is a good Christian woman, sent us to Christian schools. Now she only watches Downton Abbey. That mother of mine, something happened where it was, quote unquote, her saying, lewd and obnoxious to the point where she storms out. Oh, she no. storms out in the middle of the movie. And basically, she must have given my dad a look. But after, like, a few seconds, my dad's like, all right, kids, let's go. <laughs> I think he knew. I think he knew he was going to be in trouble forever if he didn't follow her out of there. But she stormed out, and we all left. And I was just mortified because I was having fun. Right. I'm a 12-year-old idiot thinking this is cool. And I just remember my mother just arguing with me the whole ride home. And I got into so much trouble on that ride home. I was getting uh, – I was just getting uh, ripped, ripped up one side and the other. <laughs> and I don't blame fault. my – it's kind of my fault. Or it's kind of my neighbor's fault. It's my neighbor Corey's fault, who's my best friend growing up. But, I I mean, we didn't see another PG-13 movie together as a family for years, which is probably why I turned out the way I am today. Read into that how you will. But The Nutty <laughs> Professor is a good movie, even though it's kind of silly. But I, I definitely had a horrible experience when, in 1996 with it. Do you remember what the next PG-13 family movie was? Like, how long did it take to recover? I, I don't. I, don't I, that's remember? the whole thing. Like it might have been a beautiful mind oh, years wow. later. Like and I was in high school or something. That that might have been it. That's the last one that you know I can recollect. I can imagine the the horrific thought that you like you're because your youngest brother is is quite a bit younger than you. So having him sitting there watching the clumps go. Uh, <laughs> I called your name if your name is giant fart noise. I can <laughs> understand there being some. He wasn't alive yet, but my brother David was oh, still okay. very young. So okay. David was like four or five. Right. And at a PG-13 movie with a lot of sex jokes. And, and never mind the, the, the poop humor. Does but it yeah, still it was... come up at family gatherings? Does your mother still accuse your father of, of doing using poor judgment there? No, everybody suppressed it. Everybody has suppressed <laughs> it. It has never come up again. We might actually finally talk about it. And, and like Mr. Rogers says, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. Now I'm mentioning it. 
and maybe we can finally manage this baggage that we have in our family movie-going history. A giant, uh, one big action of closure here to bring the also Mike family whole again. Maybe that's the piece that's been missing all these years. You'll have the greatest Christmas ever coming up. It's what's standing between (laughs) us. And it's my birthday, and I've got a lot of thoughts swirling through my brain. So I just got no filter, and I'm just I'm putting it out there. Who would have thought the nutty professor? Oh, all right. I'm I'm sorry, right? Mama. Also, Mike. <laughs> Eddie Murphy would go on to make Shrek and Doctor Doolittle and all those great kids movies after this. Oh, crazy. <laughs> well, my uh, my number two is is a bit sadder, and it's the only downtrodden one I'm going to kind of get into. But I'm being uh, a bit uh, uh, biographical here myself with this. But my yeah. number two. I didn't want to end the episode with it with number one, but it's obviously a great disappointment for anyone that's a film fan is the death of Philip Seymour Hoffman. So in particular, this hurts you because you were such a fan of his career. Is this because you guys share the same complexion? Is this because (laughs) you have freckles in the same spots? Yes. you, you admire him more for those reasons because look, I mean, this is like ranking the, uh, in memoriam segment. Like this is, this is like uh, this is fucked up, dude. I can't believe you went here. I didn't know we were allowed to go here. And I'm I think you were like Rachel Dratch, Debbie Downer in Saturday Night Live. You are. Uh, oh, I just looked her up from what we do in the shadows. She is a sympathy sucking vampire in this hilarious episode of what we do in the shadows, which makes you the liberalist fucking bleeding heart. I know, by the way, to ma- make mention of this, because well, like, I, I could have put like Gene Wilder and all my. Friends. I know. Oh, I my know, God. I Audrey know. Hepburn is my number one. Oh, my God. God, I'm so sad. Like, I could have done that, and you, but you got to take one. Like, this is you just saying, no, I'm sadder. Yes, correct. This is what you're doing. No, no. And I'm totally Look. inappropriate for derailing your your just lament this and is your mournful why. tone. This is why it was. it's it's the most disappointing to me is because I, I was always an Oscars fan, but I wasn't really, like, a movies-watching fan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I only really started watching movies for, like, sheer entertainment, aside from giant blockbusters, the last 10 to 15 years or so. And Hoffman was, like, a big driving force as to why, because he was the guy. I, I knew the big, you know, mainline actors, but I didn't know the names of character actors. But this guy kept showing up in all these movies and basically stealing the scene. And mm-hmm. it all culminated, those two worlds kind of combined for his 2007 nomination for Capote, where he ended up winning his Best Actor Award. That's the guy that kind of got me into the film criticism and watching things from a different angle and looking at the politics behind how every movie is made and the business in, as a whole and the machinations wow. of how things move. He's kind of responsible for that in me because otherwise, I, you know, without... Maybe it would have happened with someone else, but he was the guy it happened with me with. And without that happening, uh, I wouldn't have been, you know, the the critical thinker about the industry that I pretend to be today. So just going from Magnolia to Red Dragon, along came Polly, going all the way up through his work in The Master. That was kind of my, the, the shaping of Mike one. So to hear when he passed, like the only guy I would say came close in terms of like, how I mm-hmm. attached myself to them was Chris Farley, but even Farley, I was too young to really feel the impact and the weight of that loss at the time. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman for me was akin to like Kobe Bryant. It's yes. kind of that level of loss for me. So I didn't want to end the show with it, and it's real and it's sad, and I know it sucks, and I'm far removed from it personally as far as how it impacted his family and loved ones closest to him. But just wanted to make mention of it, and I think that's, uh, you know, it is nice to have an in memoriam section where we could uh, think of all the, the people that kind of shaped us in that way and, and just be sad for a second. 
right, my number two <laughs> is no. I, I, look, of course you're right. Of course you, you are uh, being so mature here. <laughs> no, you're a fucking guilt trip ninja. Is yeah, what yeah, you are. I am because like we've had time. We've loved Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love I love people too in the movie industry. I feel like I've been guilt tripped by <laughs> I feel an like extraordinary you think this is an ninja. This is I an do. attack on well, you, and it's not. <laughs> I am acting inappropriately because I am extra. I am extra guilted. By not including. Well, the my death number of one, one is the death acts. of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> like we could have picked some really horrible shit to put in here. Yeah, and uh, yeah. obviously, I mean, Philip Seymour. I Hoffman tried to is keep it just the one, but that was a big. You know, it was happened around yeah. Oscars time too. It was. Uh, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And go fuck yourself. Okay, fair. It's <laughs> a good landing point for that one. <laughs> All right, Mike. The table's been set. The words have been said. What is the number one most disappointing film universe moment for you? All right. So I think I am seven or eight years old. I really hope I am not older in my memory. <laughs> the memory's a little fuzzy. And the older I get, the lamer I look in this uh, situation here. So it's the 4th of July. And I've mentioned before that my Uncle Al's house had these hallowed drawers I think there was like five of them Yes, filled with VHS tapes. And I've watched some great movies for the first time there. The Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, Star Wars. First time I ever saw Star Wars was there. Never ending story. A lot of kid films. Probably the Goonies, to be honest. Seminal tentpole moments in the upbringing of also Mike. And he had a box set of the Rocky movies. <laughs> and it was a common occurrence that on the three or four times a year, I, mean, I think it was more than that. We probably went there six times a year or so for family gatherings, or et cetera. We would enjoy, at the end of the gathering, we would enjoy a movie night. And this this happened all the time. So this was 4th of July. I'm playing slip and slide all day with the friends. So I know I'm young. I can't be a 13 and on a slip and slide, can I? I guess you could. I mean, but you that could, yeah. It would result in a lot of gifts. <laughs> Anyway, I'm on a slip and slide all day. Like, you can't be 13 and on a slip and slide all day, correct? Are you trying to I'm, convince I'm trying to me or convince it. yourself of how old you were when this happened? Oh, convince myself. Okay. But I'm trying to use context <laughs> clues here to convince myself I was much younger than I was. But we watched Rockies 1 through 4, uh, and we watched them a lot. We watched them at home a lot. And I kept, you know, bugging my uncle, let me watch Rocky 5. And he was vague about it. And he wasn't honest with me that it was a terrible movie, but he was vague about it that Rocky Five is just not appropriate for you kids. And I think he was trying to protect me. I just wish my dad, my uncle, they were clearer about Rocky Five. So he was rush. using the maturity angle of you're not ready for this. You thought there meant like sex and violence. And he's like, you, nobody yeah. needs to live through Tommy Gunn. Mike, I wore them down finally because I'm thinking this is a movie I got to watch. And uh, this is like Nutty Professor-ish where I'm just like, no, I got to see this movie. This is a cool movie. I, ha I have to have it in my movie watching life. So I, I somehow wore them down after a whole day of slip and slide and water guns. We watched Rocky Five. This is my brothers. This is family, friends. There's like a gang, a gaggle of, uh, you know, from, from Pan's, Peter Pan's clubhouse <laughs> in this nook in his basement watching this this beautiful TV. He had a great TV set up watching Rocky Five. So listen, I don't know if I'm the first one to do it, but like 30 minutes in, I started crying. I mean, <laughs> oh, no. ugly, ugly little kid crying. 
and just like sobbing, just I'm totally heartbroken. And I'm the oldest one here. So I remember it was the kind of crying where I was so humiliated. I was so humiliated because I was crying in front of all my younger brothers, Why siblings, were you cousins. Because Rocky became a bum again. <laughs> Because Rocky, the man that I worshipped, he was Italian. I'm stunt double, stunt double today. That's who I grew up becoming. I am Sylvester Stallone, stunt double, stunt double. If they need work, I'm here to give it and provide my services. I'll do it for free. So the Rocky movies were important to me as a kid. So it was the emotional investment of the character? He became a bum, especially after Rocky IV. I mean, think about the height of Rocky IV. This Single-handedly goes back to the ending the Cold War, yeah? The disappointment of that movie twist where he becomes a bum again and where it never redeems it. Literally halfway through the movie, I remember crying. I remember more people crying. So I don't know if I started the little kid crying, but we were all crying. And yet we watched the rest of the movie. I remember watching the rest of the movie because I remember at the end of it, my the dads had come down at that point. And they were laughing at us. <laughs> they were laughing at us because at this point at the end of the movie, it's an hour later, we're like angry crying. And I'm because I'm like, oh, this movie sucks. Or whatever the words that I was barely able to use or allowed to use without right. getting grounded. Like suck was probably one of them. <laughs> God, I hope I wasn't 13. <laughs> and it, But anyway, I'm using like, this movie stinks. Maybe it was stinks. I probably couldn't use suck at uh-huh. that point. This movie stinks. This You're a butt face for telling me to watch this movie. And I remember our dads laughing so heartily at us for being so disappointed. But then they kind of they kind of tried to save the movie. Look, look, he's going to fight Tommy Gunn. It's going to be fun. And it was just Rocky's never been the same for me. I was heartbroken. So what was the disappointing aspect of this story exactly? The fact that you were the first one to cry? Well, yeah, it's just humiliation piled upon humiliation. <laughs> Brought by Rocky I remember. Five. Brought by Rocky Five, I remember I started crying. I couldn't help it. And then I remember, like, everybody crying after that. But I, it's in front of, like, all my friends. Because it wasn't just, like, a family party. Oh, right, family right, right, yeah. Too. You had a whole I, bunch I couldn't of people stop. there. Ugly kid crying. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> 13 years old, ugly kid crying. Do you remember how, like, was it was it a start immediately as soon as he was walking the streets? Or was it when uh, Mickey was like, we, we, spent, we lost all the money, Rock? Why are you pushing this? <laughs> Mick was not, Mick not, was not, not in the Mickey. Not Mickey. What the fuck's his name there? Uh, Paulie? Paulie, yeah. Mike, Rocky won. It's such a redemption story because he's a bum and he becomes a success story. It's the American goddamn dream. And then when, oh, I'm going to, uh, don't make me tear up now, start again. <laughs> Adrian's working at the pet store again. Oh, no. It's just the worst, the worst thing happened in that we, movie. We have very similar number ones as well because while I was not moved to tears, I was too, I was a teenager and I was just so full-blown angry and just pissed off at the end of my movie watching experience with Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 after oh. watching emo Peter Parker groove and shuck and jive his way down the sidewalk for no reason whatsoever other than to like fill Sam Raimi's disdain for the Venom character it made me so outlandishly mad that I think yeah. my rage was the equivalent to your sadness like the emotional investments that we both had in these characters I think is very similar and they just came out in different ways because we were at different points in life where I, you were a, a young child still holding tight to the American dream and I was a repressed and horny teenager mad that my comic book man wasn't being handled the right way 
Wow, that's a great pick, and I, I'm I'm a little upset with myself for not putting it in my blockbusters. I just forgot it, but that's fortunate because I would have spoiled your pick. That's here. true, yeah. Or you would, and you would not have edited my, me out because you don't read what I write down. Correct. So this was fortuitous <laughs> that I didn't spoil your number one and uh, mentioned Spider-Man three before. But yeah, that was a terrible movie, and I don't think Sam Raimi has quite recovered. I mean, what's the last great movie that he's been all about? I'm gonna have to look him up right now. You may, yeah, it's a good question. I don't know off the top. I just remember the the treatment of the Venom character, and I remember he gave an interview before that the Spider-Man three came out. How he said, or somebody close to him said, he wasn't crazy about the Venom character. And I was like, well, it's not like he's going to sabotage his own movie over it. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. Like he disliked that Venom character so much that he was yeah. willing to sink the good work. I mean, everyone loved Spider-Man, too. It was one of the highest-grossing comic book movies and movies in general. It broke all sorts of records, so we were expecting the same. And that was also kind of the first uh, glimpse that the third chapter to every trilogy may not go the way you think it should. Well, I take it back about Sam Raimi, because he made Drag Me to Hell right after Spider-Man 3 and totally redeemed himself. Oh. And then, of course, he came out with Oz the Great and Powerful, which went down. But he's done Ash and the Evil Dead. He's got... Uh, multiverse of madness coming out so it, he didn't ruin his career thank god yeah multiverse of madness is going to be interesting too i mean going full horror with the mcu so hopefully uh he can redeem himself in the eyes of marvel cinema boys because right. we all know that's what's most important for any <laughs> director <laughs> to get the pulse of but obviously the point of doing an episode like this is we want to hear from you we want to hear your biggest cinema or film world disappointments whether it was a movie you saw uh, a death that had a great impact to you something no. that happens no, preferably not that but something that happened on the awards stage that still uh, you have a rivalry with a fellow podcast about let us know and you can leave us those comments questions concerns uh, about those as well as anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us all those. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcasts, if you would be so kind as to give us a five star review, it would take 10 seconds and it would truly make our day. Michael, tell the good people what is coming next and what are the words of wisdom to end the show on? Well, we just had some Oscar news drop, stuff that we've been talking about for weeks, mm -hmm. but uh, we're going to have an Oscar race checkpoint next. We're going to have a Mike, Mike, and Oscar weekly. At some point next week, I was going to pitch to you a couple other things to do, so when will we put out MMOW on Monday or will we do something else? We shall see. we got still got to have that production movie. In terms of words, uh, uh, production meeting, rather, production movie, wow. <laughs> words of wisdom, though. Don't show your kids Rocky Five. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, that's wise. And I guess don't show your kids Spider-Man yeah, 3. or Spider-Man 3. Or just uh, Spider-Man 3. You, can show, you know, if you're going to show them Spider-Man 3, don't show them Spider-Man 2. And I still have a, like, uh, philosophical disagreement with your number two, just putting that in there. Like, what are we going to ask people on Twitter now? The Twitter questions, top five deaths that made you sad, go. No, no, I'm just saying the man had a personal impact on my life, that's all. All I'm saying, <laughs> what do you want to create? Were you trying to create a movie utopia or Sodom and Gomorrah? That's, <laughs> I, I, like, it's well-intentioned, but this is the, the other side of the coin of the bleeding heart liberal. This is where you turn to the dark side. You're over. You're a sympathy vampire. You feed upon it. I think I have well established that I prefer Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs>
And you turn me against a tribute of Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's beloved in my movie watching life as well. And somehow you turn me against. So this is, oh my God. What did you say to me the other day? I'm a manipulator on a text message. Yeah. I'll leave that without contest just to, just to let people think what it could have been, you know, attesting to. You're manip- You're right. You manipulated me and you bring out the worst in me. Happy fucking birthday to me. I didn't know it was a contest. I think you're dealing with some other demons right now. Well, because I'm a bleeding heart liberal myself, so I feel that I feel you've one upped me in the guilt trip. That ninja was game. not my intention. I'm sorry, Philip Seymour Hoffman's death made you feel that way. No, this is like, oh, I'm sorry you were hurt. Yeah, no, I'm no that's me. Be, being, that is me being yeah. a dick. <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for recording on my birthday. Best part of my day, unfortunately, but well. A lot, a lot of fun. Happy birthday to you, and, and I hope you do uh, you do have more fun than this today. And guys, <laughs> when reality does suck, you can come watch these movies and have some laughs with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See ya. It was a new